This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, go over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up to get the daily email. You won't regret it. It's called The Wink, What You Need to Know. We'll get to that in a moment, What You Need to Know. Uh, I also will get to in a few moments. It's actually going to be a very interesting show. We've got John Schlafly, uh, who we'll talk a little bit later. He'll talk about his column briefly. Um, no, more than briefly, I suspect. But I want to segue off of that, and I want to ask him about uh, his... Uh, a comment he made, and we talked about it yesterday, about qualified immunity. There is a movement now. LeBron James and like 1,400 athletes have signed a letter saying we should remove qualified immunity for cops. I, I did a radio interview this morning on an Indiana radio station, and the Senator Braun, uh, Brown, excuse me, I think that's how you pronounce it, pretty conservative U.S. senator from Indiana, he says he supports uh, something like that. <clears throat> Here's the problem, and we'll talk about this with John Schlafly. Qualified immunity is the doctrine that protects law enforcement when you're on the front lines to not get sued in your individual capacity so that you lose your house, right? So you can still be arrested and prosecuted. Nobody, there's no immunity like that. It sounds to people's ear like, oh, law enforcement has qualified immunity. They get away with murder. No, if you break the law, if you go outside of the norms of policing, you still can be held accountable, but you can't get sued and take your car and your home. And take your kid's retirement, you know, your, I mean, your kid's school money, you know, your, the school tuition money. And the reason why is because we're asking people to do something different than normal. You know, being a cop is not the same as being a milkman. It's not the same as being a radio host. You're asking somebody to be in the front lines in a special way. And I got a, t- a text from one of the listeners about this. And she, she said to me, uh, be careful, because even without qualified immunity, most cops are such good people. They'll still do the right thing. That's kind of maybe I misspoke. What I mean is this. Most people over time will not sign up for a profession that makes clear that you're not going to be able to do what you need to do without paying a bigger price. You know, over time, you know, incentives have a have an effect on you. So we'll talk with John Schlafly about that. We'll also talk with a, a friend of mine, Dr. Paul Kengor. You've heard about him. You've heard him on a number of times. He's a professor over at Grove City College, and he's got a piece, excuse me, on um this Archbishop Gregory of D.C. attacking President Trump. And now there's a letter from Archbishop Vagano uh, protesting this. It was all over the President Trump visiting the John Paul II shrine to uh, promote religious liberty and, a, and an executive order. So we'll talk with Kengar on that. He's an expert on it. He's got r- such a good writer, such a good writer on history, politics, and a lot of times faith. He's written a book on Judge Clark, who was the great close advisor to Ronald Reagan. And he was a very, very devout Catholic, a longtime California resident who came out to uh, the, the White House with Reagan uh, and served almost the entire time, I think the entire two terms. Anyway, he's written a number of books. He wrote a book on John Paul II and Ronald Reagan and their relationship. This is Paul Kengor did. So we'll talk to him. All right. But what do you need to know today? What do you need to know? I, I've, I've, just, I've almost split this up because I, I, I try to get to what you need to know and tell you. What do you need to know? Here's your wink. All right, here's the number one thing. Here's, here's what it is. If you rewrite history, if you, if you take away your history, you take away your way to live, to function. So I've been thinking all day about this, getting ready to talk to you. And this is what you need to know. But it's easier to let, you t- to let me tell you about a Polish man, Polish American, who came to my house today, dropped something off, delivery guy. He moved here to America 35 years ago. He's now 60. And he loves it. He's not an American citizen. He and his wife, she's also from Poland. They're American citizens. They raise their kids here. And he told me when he was a 15-year-old boy, man, in Poland, he was living behind the communist 
the curtain in Poland and the communists had control of everything. And he said, one of the few things that we could do when we were kids was help at the church, the local parish, organize Sunday mass. And we'd get thousands of people. He said, the little chapel, we had to build all these tents around it. And we, the young guys, he said, half of it was we wanted to be near the church, but the other half is we were rebels and we wanted to do anything to stick it to the communists. And, and the communists couldn't really stop thousands of people worshiping. He told me that they did a procession on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, and they would proceed around town, a little town in Poland, and the boys, the men, him, 15 years old, would go around at three in the morning and put up the decorations on the intersections of the streets where the procession went, and they had to do it at three in the morning because the procession was at six in the morning, but if they did it earlier, the communists would tear them down. So he said to me all this, and then he turned to me and he said, in communist Poland, they told us You must forget your history. You must get rid of your history because you only relate to the current government. And he said they were constantly, I guess unconsciously, working to eliminate history. That's what you're seeing when you see the transition from make sure that nobody gets hurt by a policeman improperly. Everybody's for that value statement. And this movement now to take down statues, to take away movies. I mentioned yesterday Gone with the Wind is supposed to be now not appropriate and take away uh, uh, books. You'll take away th- You rewrite history to unmoor a people from their roots. Because unless you're a, um, well, let me say it more affirmatively. If you are within the Judeo-Christian American tradition, the culture, you recognize that no one is perfect. There hasn't been a perfect man. There was one, but he's not here anymore. And there hasn't been a perfect one in America. And so we don't, we're not surprised that Washington was, um, you know, uh, uh, grumpy or, um, you know, Jefferson wasn't perfect or U.S. Grant was profane or uh, Robert E. Lee picked the wrong side in a major on a major issue. We're not surprised by any of that because we know that people are broken and that they are failed. And yet what we do is we learn from people and history in order to improve ourselves. And the movement to get rid of history is a movement to unmoor America, not just from those people, but from the culture, the American culture that has at its heart the Constitution, the rule of law, a sense of the human person fitting in, uh, how we the people relate. And we're always on a path to perfecting ourselves and our on country. It, we've never said it was perfect A more perfect union is what we're striving for because we haven't got a perfect union and we're moving that way. So now we're moving, picking up speed a little bit. That's what's happening. And and the people that want to do this from the left, the left is coming. They are not like David Horowitz said two days ago. These are not uh, people who don't know what they're doing. There's lots of unwitting dupes out there with them who are just burning things and tearing things down and they've been miseducated and not paying attention. But the people who are driving this agenda, they do know what they're doing. They do know that it's evil. And by the way, I'll digress for one quick second and say to you, if you believe in the American culture, Judeo-Christian history, based on the rule of law, the Constitution, all these things that hold us together, one piece of that, the Judeo-Christian tradition, in particular the Christo part, says that man had in its history an extraordinary moment in time where God became man in Christ. And that history is deeply, deeply offensive to the communists, the atheists, the people that hate 
others to the devil is really what's going on. But that's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. So when you hear that they moved on to Christopher Columbus in London, they tore down a Winston Churchill uh, statue because when he was a young man, he said something when he was off in one of the Boer War or something, said something terrible about somebody or wrote something terrible about somebody. Again, it's not entirely surprising and it's not I'm not defending something somebody said. I'm saying we know we have to grow. We know we have to get better. We know that's the exact tradition of who we are. So we're not surprised by that. Not for a second. So what you need to know right now is what's happening is intentional. What you need to know right now is the taking of our history, the denigrating of our history, the degrading of our understanding of our national self is done on purpose. It's done not because they dislike all those people and things they might, but it's because they know if they unmoor us from that collectively, we become a lot worse. We become a lot worse and the possibilities of real tyranny increase dramatically. One more comment. I think I started to say this and I did say this over on Periscope. If you go to at Eagle Ed Martin, you'll see my Periscope uh, wink about a 10 minute uh, play I do earlier in the day. But I did say this. Joe Biden has taken to saying that the election, the election, Trump may not accept the results. What is this jive? This is the same thing Hillary Clinton said. And you know what it says? It sounds like losers grasping at straws, trying to panic people. What, where, where's the evidence? Not a, not, a, not a scintilla of evidence that anybody's ever said they wouldn't accept elections. Except, you know who doesn't want to accept elections? You know who wants to undermine elections? Well, Joe Biden, mail-in voting Pelosi. I'm telling you, there's a lot at stake. But stick back to that. I'm sorry, I digress to the Biden thing. Stick to that moment. I'm telling you this, what you need to know. They're trying to take our history because they're trying to take our culture ourselves. And we have to, and by the way, all the people in our communities are part of it. They're not left out of our culture. It's the, it's the left and the communists and others are trying to undermine. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our old friend, Dr. Paul Kangor, I was telling you uh, during the opening segment of his uh, many books, which are, uh, to me, they're so so many of them are so interesting. The one on Judge Clark, one on uh, Ronald Reagan and John Paul II. There's just a number of them. And they do often, in his writings, they'll touch on faith and uh, how it impacts like Reagan and JP2 and, and Judge Clark. And also he comes at this and he's got a piece, uh, comes at this with a, with a, uh, a scholarly background also, as well as an interest in sort of the uh, geopolitics. But he's got a piece up at the American Spectator uh, t- entitled uh, Archbishop Gregory and Liberal Catholics Attack Trump. So first of all, welcome to the program, Dr. Paul Kengor. How are you? I'm good, Ed. Always good, good to be with you. Thanks. Before I get to the discussion, I just realized this Grove City College, a great school where you teach. Are they going to open in the fall? Has has the president McNulty or, uh, talked about it yet? Yeah, yeah, we're hoping to. And, you know, it's a lot like everybody else. It's just uh, it's kind of a wait and see at this point. But the county that we're in in western Pennsylvania does not have a lot of cases. So but we're not so much worried about students right coming here and getting it because it doesn't seem to be that widespread here. But all you need is, is somebody to bring it back on a campus from somewhere else or whatever the source might yeah. be. And then it could start spreading. So 
right now we're 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 planning on opening. It's it'll be August twenty fourth, but all of this is very much a kind of wait and see thing, depending on you know where things are on August twenty fourth. It is um, well. It's going to be interesting, but I, I think I have a ton of respect for your your school, uh, Grove City College, as well as your leadership there. So we'll look, we'll follow it. All right, now back to this piece. So um, yeah. now, first, uh, we're talking with Paul Kengor, Doctor Dr. Paul Kengor. Were you surprised at Archbishop Gregory's um, attack? I mean, even in, and even for observers of American Catholicism, it, it came a little bit out of left field. He's relatively new to his post in D.C., relatively. Were you surprised at it? What's your thoughts on that part of it? Well, yes, I, I, and I'm also disappointed by it. And look, a lot of people, and you know this well, Ed, that when, when Cardinal Worrell was, was replaced and said it was going to be replaced, a lot of conservative Catholics in particular were very, very, very fearful that it would be Wilton Gregory, because because they they see him fairly or not as as liberal, maybe not very fair toward toward conservative Catholics. I kept an open mind on it. I thought, well, you know, let's 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 wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see, and and so far it's gone okay. And then to see a statement like that. You know, I, I thought, okay, that's really bad. It is shocking, but then again, maybe also it isn't shocking because this is kind of what a lot of us feared, right? And and right. so I think that's what makes it even more troubling is that this might vindicate the concerns of Catholics who thought here would be somebody who would come to Washington and be kind of ideological and political. And and you can't have that. And and the statement, it, it's it's really an attack on the John Paul II shrine. Or actually, not the shrine, but the staff of the shrine. Mm-hmm. And and he said, here it is. I find it baffling and reprehensible that any Catholic facility. And here he's talking about the shrine allowing Donald Trump to come there on June second in what was an overture to international religious freedom. And by the way, June second, he came there on that date because it was the anniversary of John Paul II's famous June 2nd, 1979, appearance in Poland, which was one of the greatest overtures to religious freedom in the past 40 or 50 years. And so Gregory said, I find it baffling and reprehensible that any Catholic facility would allow itself to be so egregiously misused and manipulated in a fashion that <laughs> violates our religious principles. And it's like, well, wait a second. What, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, misused and manipulated for what? So, so, so that right. assumes right off that Trump is not going there in, you know, in, in good faith, right? I guess sort of pun intended. Right, right. Yeah, that, right. that he's using it um, for political purposes. But, but in fact, it's completely appropriate. For Donald Trump to, you know, an overture to religious freedom, international religious freedom, to go to the John Paul II shrine, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it doesn't strike me as odd at all. And, and, and the staff, I mean, what do you want the staff to do? Say no, take a hike, get lost, you can't come here? Uh, we're not going right. to the president come here? So it seems to me an even more unfair slap at the, at the, at the, at the, at the staff of the shrine than uh, than mm-hmm. a Donald Trump, but it's also an attack. It's an attack on both sides. Yeah. 
Well, we're talking with Dr. Paul Kengor and, and his piece, again, I'll put it up on social media, is over at the American Spectator. Um, you know, uh, Paul, I, I, I had a, a well, I guess he's a friend, a friend of our family came by the house earlier today to deliver something. He's born and raised in Poland. He's about 60 years old, was in Poland behind the, uh, the behind, when the communists had control. And of course, he, he is devoted to, you know, freedom. And he was telling me other stories. But when I said the president went over to this shrine on, Ju- on June 2nd, his face lit up because for the right. Polish people, and by the way, for the Soviets, they recognized June 2nd, 1979 was a historic date that started the transformation in many ways of, of the communist bloc countries towards freedom. So this, 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 you know, Polish, um, kind of, uh, labor, for lack of a better term, knew right away. And when Donald, the idea that Donald Trump would go over to the John Paul II on June 2nd, you know, most of these people, I thought, even like Archbishop Wilton Gregory, would have said, it's so important to be internationally aware, to be, uh, you know, uh, cognizant of what's happening. In the world. Well, this was a signal that if you understand communism and what's happened, the president of the United States did that. And it was missed on Gregory. Right. I mean, or he ignored it. Yeah. I'm one of the two. But either way, it's not exactly uh, uh, c- covering him in glory. Yeah, no, it's a complete whiff. And in fact, Donald Trump, and I quoted in the, in the Spectator piece, he, he gave a major speech in, speech in Poland on, in, in July 2017, and a lot of liberals attacked him for it. And in that speech, he actually talks about, quote, when the day came on June 2nd, 1979, <laughs> and one million Poles gathered around Victory Square for their very first mass with their Polish pope, that day, every communist in Warsaw must have known that their oppressive system would, so- would soon come crashing down. And, and from there, Trump went on to quote how a million Poles sang three simple words, we want God, we want God, <laughs> we want yeah. God. And, and so, so this is something that everybody in Poland knows about. Frankly, most Catholics know about. But, but, but to be honest, and I don't, I don't mean this as a shot at Gregory, but, but when you're dealing with kind of liberal social justice Catholics, for, for whom um, you know, stuff like international communism isn't high on their radar, right? And, and, right. and also, frankly, the pro-life issue isn't as well. For a lot of these people, it's like poverty issues, welfare, labor issues, that kind of thing. That, that he, he might well not have even known. That June second, nineteen seventy nine, was was about this, and if that's the case, then then he ought to have staff members who 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 can at least inform him and protect him. And I wonder, Ed, if 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 there was a staff member or two that um, didn't protect him, that disserved him, maybe even encouraged him to make a statement like this, and uh, you know, kind of kind of misserved. Uh, you know, their archbishop, who they should have done a better job protecting. And, and that, I mean, yeah, it could be. So it, could, it could be my fe- my feeling. Yeah, my feeling. My, my feeling on that is that if it could be that there was he was ill served, but it feels like uh, he in the heat of all this, uh, all that's going on, he was trying to make a point and, and be a leader, quote unquote. Hey, I only got about a minute and a half left. Uh, Dr. Paul Kengar, I don't want to miss this also chance to ask you, cause I know you teach so much of our history, political science, you know, ethics, watching the, the rush to throw away statues and history. Again, you've written books on the communists on, on what their playbook is. You must be shaking your head saying this is exactly what they try to do. By the way, the same Polish laborer said to me when he lived in Polish com- communist Poland, the communists told them you must not, you must renounce your history. You can't remember the Polish history. That was part of their playbook. You must be shaking your head. 
Well, it, yeah, and, and people need to realize this isn't just Confederate uh, statues and monuments, right? In fact, there was right. there um, on CNN last night. It, it was I think two congresswomen talking about uh, removing statues to Washington and Jefferson, and and, right. and also uh, yesterday in in St. Paul, Minnesota. So two and a half weeks after the George the George uh, Floyd incident, they they tore down a statue of Columbus, Columbus. So for people who think that this is just some sort of racial confederacy thing, no, in many of these cases, you have hardcore leftists who are going after the very foundations, the very founders, Mm -hmm. the the very people who discovered and founded America. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's not just the confederate stuff. I mean, they're going after all of that. Yeah, I got to run. Unfortunately, Dr. Paul Kengor, we'll have you on again on this. By the way, I thought you were going to say St. Paul, Minnesota. Maybe they changed the name from St. Paul. St. Paul, half his life, he was a real son of a gun. So maybe they should forget about this St. Paul thing. Anyway, I got to run Paul Kengor. I I didn't mean to do that to your namesake, but uh, we'll we'll talk again soon. It's it's the Pro-America Report. Be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Of course, it's time for us to talk to John Schlafly. He's the author of the Schlafly Report with his brother Andy. And uh, this week's Schlafly Report, which posts over at townhall.com, is uh, entitled How Rioting Ended the Shutdown. How Rioting Ended the Shutdown. Uh, So welcome back, John. How are you? I'm good, Ed. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So let me w- walk me through this. I mean, you know, the 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 riot. I, I know the title is meant to catch my eye because I read the piece, but the rioting didn't end the shutdown. But everybody stopped talking about the shutdown. And and walk us through what is the most. Uh, what your point is here? I think some of it is extraordinary. But go walk us through this. Uh, well, Ed, as you know, most most of us, most ordinary garden variety, law abiding Americans, have accepted. The shutdown. These were the experts who told us we had to stay at home. Uh, you know, we had to wear a mask when we on our rare trips out. Uh, you know, we had to stay six feet apart from everybody else. We couldn't go to restaurants, bars, and sporting events. And now suddenly we turn on television and we see thousands or tens of thousands of people massing in close quarters in uh, confined spaces, in public spaces, in the streets, and. Nobody's batting an eye on this. Uh, certainly there's no enforcement of social distancing. And um, uh, and neither is there any, there any outbreak of disease, as far as we know yet. And there's been time for disease to happen, and it hasn't happened. Uh, and so what is Dr. Fauci saying about this? Well, we haven't heard from Dr. Fauci yet, but uh, there was a, an odd statement by self-appointed public health professionals, 1,288 of them, who joined in a statement in which they said that, no, we have to allow these demonstrations or protests or riots or whatever you want to call them, because really the real virus is not the coronavirus or COVID-19. The real virus in America is racism and white supremacy. And so that is the greater evil and we simply have to accept the risk of uh, infection in order to protest white supremacy, as the demonstrators are doing, as they break the windows of stores and steal Nike shoes and television, flat screen TVs and everything else. So that was really astounding, astounding. And it really shows the double standard of the 
people who are really getting away with, well, I almost said get away with murder, but, you know, there have been uh, police officers who have been killed in the course, and many, many hundreds who have been injured in the course of these street demonstrations. Uh, No one, as far Uh, as I know, has been, certainly no one has been punished. There's been a handful of people arrested, uh, but the vast majority are getting away with their bad behavior over the last two weeks. Uh, We're talking with John uh, Schlatt. Law-abiding Americans are wondering, what's going on here? What is really happening? Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, this 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 uh, this 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 document that you reference in your piece, and again, John's uh, piece is called the uh, "How Rioting Ended at the Shutdown." Also available, by the way, at phyllisschlafly.com, where we archive all of John and Andy's columns. Uh, John, um, when you, you reference this letter from all these twelve hundred eighty-eight public health professionals. And already, I immediately smelled a uh, uh, smelled a you know a, a skunk in the in the in the uh, garden party here. Public health professionals. They didn't say doctors. Are these doctors or some of them doctors? Who are these public health well, professionals? Well, they did sign their name, uh, and mm-hmm. of course, I didn't recognize their names. Uh, some of them, I guess, some of them are doctors. But there's you know there's a whole host of uh, people who consider themselves to be public health. Uh, and I guess, of course, most of them are not doctors, but they call themselves professionals. And then finally, some of them, they say, are describe themselves as community stakeholders, which I'm not sure what that means. Maybe it means community <laughs> organizers. Uh, but whatever it is, it's, I, I think it's fair to say, Ed, that the views expressed in this document are carrying the day. Uh, even if most of them are do not are not really powerful people with credentials, all you have to do is turn on your television and listen to what is being said every day, and listen to what the politicians are saying to realize that this viewpoint is basically what is carrying the day. Because uh, I mean, it really describes what we've just watched and what has really happened in our country. And I don't know where this is ending, frankly. And now people are talking about defunding the police. They're talking about getting rid of um, qualified immunity, which is the only thing that stands in the way of every police officer being sued for every traffic stop and every interaction with a citizen. Uh, And this... I'm getting to be frightened about it, Ed, because there's really no pushback to the narrative that that is reflected in this statement of these public health professionals, that the the idea that uh, white supremacy is the greatest evil uh, and is the founding evil of our country, and it really has been, uh, you know, the whole existence and founding of our country is just wrong from the get-go and needs to be fundamentally reformed. And the Democrats are now running on that agenda. Joe Biden has signed on to it. And this is shaping up to be a really, really uh, bad series of conflicts that we're, we're now facing. And we, we buried George, George Floyd today, but this issue is not going away. 
Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, John, let me let me ask you about that uh, for one second because I talked about it earlier in the in the program too. You mentioned the qualified immunity. Um, uh, the, the, Nancy Pelosi and Justice Justin Amish have proposed this, among others, um, as part of the Democrat package. Tell us what you mean by that. Tell us what that means. Uh, you said it to me earlier today. It was very clear. I went and read about it. It's, I think it's very important for people to understand. It's a very sneaky way to actually end, sort of, uh, in a way, end um, you know civil living together because you can't have it. So walk us through this, John. Well, the origin of it is when uh, the federal courts began to allow policemen to be sued. And and, uh, there was a, uh, you know, during the Reconstruction period, when federal troops occupied the former Confederate states and a lot of laws were passed during that time under the point of a gun, you know, under martial law, which existed in the South. And one of them was a law that allowed uh, allowed lawsuits against uh, officers of state and local governments for violating your constitutional rights. And uh, so it took a century for, but now there's a whole industry of lawsuits against police officers, but police officers generally can get those lawsuits dismissed on the grounds of qualified immunity, which means they acted reasonably under the circumstances. But uh, now there's a move in Congress to repeal that, which would allow any police officer to be sued in federal court uh, for an allegation that the police officer violated your constitutional rights. Let's, you know, we hear about a lot about, you know, driving while black. So, you know, you're a traffic stop and you're uh, stopping uh, black drivers at a greater rate than white drivers. Well, you know, then there's a lawsuit. And uh, mm-hmm. so that was what would... And, and, and now, mind you, this is not suing the police departments because that's the government. These lawsuits are against individual officers. And uh, mm-hmm. who's going to pay for those, for the defense of those lawsuits? You know, police officers are, do not earn enough to uh, be able to expose themselves to that kind of litigation, in addition to all the other risks that they face uh, when they're out in the street every day and responding to calls, not knowing if there's going to be an armed, insane person or terrorist at the other end of the call. And there's not many people who are willing to even take that job. And if they're exposed to civil lawsuits for damages, that will be the end of our local police. So, Ed, your listeners need to be on guard against that idea. It, it seems that seems to be maybe the most important uh, thing issue that no one's talking about, John. I, mean, I, I mentioned it on the radio yesterday. Uh, I've talked a little bit about it, but I mean, if you think about what could happen, it be, be the it would be the best. I mean, at worst, but the, the most effective way for the left to damage our uh, public safety would be they'd let loose lawsuits against individuals and pretty rapidly you'd have no sane person want to be a cop. And you would also have any law enforcement entity just realize we can't do anything that gets us into a contentious relationship with uh, with a, a citizen because they'll sue. You know, we can if we see you kill someone, we'll we'll arrest you. We're not going to go and interrogate. You. I mean, it's the end of uh, it's the end of public safety, right? Yes. Now, uh, of course, a lot of people are saying now that the real problem or much of the problem is uh, mental illness and and uh 
and and that is certainly true that uh, much police work involves people who are deranged, but deranged people mm-hmm. can be very very dangerous, and you know social workers are not going to respond to a call to right. De- right. to right. defuse a situation where a crazy person is threatening to kill somebody. That requires an armed policeman to do that. And mm-hmm. and someone who is willing to go out there and put his own body between the dangerous person and the law-abiding citizen. Yeah, not many people are willing to do that now, and we need to we need to protect those people and defend them for the risks that they take on behalf of all of us. Yeah, it seems um, it seems pretty pretty obvious. Okay, John, thank you as always. I got to run now. John Schlafly, he's uh, half of the Schlafly Report. He and uh, Andy Schlafly. This week's uh, column is how rioting ended the shut ended the shutdown. Uh, about what went on, uh, you can visit uh, townhall.com and also over phyllisschlafly dot com. And I will talk more about uh, John's interesting point on qualified immunity. I haven't heard anybody else talking about it. I think we need to wade into that even a little bit more. So thanks very much, John. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Ed. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. An elementary school principal in Chicago stirred up a big flap recently when she prohibited students from bringing their own lunch from home. She said her intention was to protect students from their own poor nutritional choices. She wanted to make them eat the lunch served in the school cafeteria, which she claimed is more nutritious. She said the no-sack lunch policy is common in Chicago with the decision up to the principal. Is this decision an overreaching of the nanny state, or is it the result of big government financial incentives to promote or even require kids to eat the lunches provided by the school? The federal government pays the school district a set fee for each free or reduced-price lunch that a student takes. State governments contribute matching funds. There are other financial incentives for a school to increase the number of students who receive school lunches. The percentage of kids who take them is used to determine how many low-income students attend a school, and that number determines how much Title I funding a school gets from the federal government. Several agencies provide help to schools to devise ways to maximize the number of students who receive free and reduced-price lunches and how to conduct a campaign to collect meal applications from the students. One suggestion is to offer prizes to schools or classrooms with high application return rates. On a typical school day, 20 million children, that's 63% of all kinds of kids in public schools, receive free or reduced-price lunches. The National School Lunch Program cost taxpayers nearly $10 billion last year. The big question is, would those kids go hungry without this program, or are there perverse incentives that reward schools for signing up as many kids as possible for the handouts? This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. 
The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Hey, this segment is about General Mike Flynn. Tomorrow is his court appearance for the Court of Appeals. They'll be fighting it out. But today, late today, he posted over at uh, westernjournal.com a, a short piece, a kind of reflection. And um, it is extraordinary. And I actually happened to see this about three days ago. He sent it to me to look at the copy, the uh, look at it. And um, so I knew a little bit about what was coming. It's an amazing piece. Um, it opens... With these five, the first, this sentence, there are seminal moments in American history that test every fiber of our nation's soul. We're facing one now. Revolutionary forces are causing every American citizen to question which direction the country's heading. If you can't tell already, you're going to want to read this. I'll put it up on social media. But he talks about, at the, at, towards the end, those who have sacrificed the most, those who have given the last true measure of devotion that derives from the love, faith, uh, family, and cause of freedom for all of us to pr- be free, cannot be allowed to have died in vain. And he said, talks about our future, the future of our children. And, and here, it's extraordinary. The, the very end of this, here's the, here's the finishing um, sentences of, of the first thing that t- he has said beyond one, one tweet, I think. This is General Mike Flynn. And we must remember the power of hell, while strong, is limited. God is the ultimate judge and decision maker. His anointed providence is our country, the United States of America. As long as we accept God in the lifeblood of our nation, we will be okay. If we don't, we will face a hellish existence. Now, how about that? That is, this is, um, this is a um, serious comment from a man who, um, who has uh, a heck of a perspective to offer. And um, it's amazing. So I need you to read that. I need you to go see it. And again, tomorrow there will be a hearing in the Court of Appeals in um, in uh, Washington, D.C. at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 a.m. Pacific Time. If you're up, it's early for the Pacific Coast, but on the East Coast, if you're up or wherever you are, if you get up, Go online. I'll put the link up on my social media on at Eagle Ed Martin, and, and you can click and listen in. And here's what I encourage people to do. Excuse me. C- click on that link and listen in. It, you know, Court of Appeals uh, arguments are fairly tedious. They tend to be a little bit more dry. There's not a lot of action. You may not follow it well. But here's what I want to tell you. The world will notice, especially the media, how many people are listening in. And if we get thousands and thousands of people who listen in because they care, I think it'll make a huge difference. I think it'll make a huge difference, and I think it will be really good to do. So I'm encouraging you uh, to do that. And to again, it's go, the link will be up on my social media at 9.30 tomorrow. It'll last about an hour. So if you jump in for an hour, you'll have gotten, uh, you'll be able to have, hear, hear it. And again, I don't know who will know. It's just to listen in. It's not video. I don't know who will have the counter you know, in other words, who will show how many people are in, but it will be public record. So I'm pushing the media to ask for it, and I'm figuring that they'll have to tell them. 
And so my goal is to get thousands and thousands of people to sit at their computer, hit the link and listen in and, you know, silently, of course, because you can't speak, uh, listen and have a good thought and a prayer and let the world know, hey, we are all we the people are watching this. We the people are watching this and we are ready to have this be over. We are ready to have this thing be over. And um, it, it is something that we've all been waiting for. And uh, and we're, you know, um, w- want to see happen. And I think, you know, I, I think we're going to see really quickly next week something that will I think we'll see it resolved. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But again, I want you to go at 930, excuse me, 930 East Coast time a.m. Uh, that's uh, six thirty West Coast time, and log on uh, and uh, go ahead and listen in and go find it on my Twitter feed. You won't regret it. It'll be great for the uh, the general. It'll be great for everything, and I think it'll be really fun and the right thing to do. So, um, a clue in there, all right? And go read this piece, which I'll put up on uh, also on social media. It's just extraordinary what he's written and how important it is, all right? And uh, we're going to we're gonna have to go. We're going to have to wrap things up. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the Daily Wink, find all the segments you need, and go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com also for the podcast. Thank you to Noah for his great job, Joanna for helping book, and we'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.